Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and yes, you've pulled into the right driveway, the right parking lot, and the right assembly center because this is Outside the Sheds. I am your host, Corey Jackson, and we are here post-origin to start up the last eight weeks, folks. Shedheads, here we go. This is the beginning. This is the medal rounds coming up now. And you see how I threw in a little bit of Olympic pub right there, a little bit of Olympic flair. Not that anyone's going to be there. But anyway, we can use a little bit of this. Because to me, you guys are my, my gold, silver, and bronze medalists all rolled up in one metallic package. Yeah, that's right. But enough about the non-in-person Olympics. I just think maybe we should just give the awards, the, the medals, uh, by likes on uh, social media. Maybe, maybe we could do it that way, since the guys can't touch the medals. Maybe that's the thing. Just send them a, a gold emoji. <laughs> oh, yeah, there we go. Anyway, who cares about that? We're here for other things. This is important stuff we're talking about here. So let's go into just the matches that were completed first for the NRL round that just completed. And then we'll get into some other things down the line, as you can guess, Origin being one of them. Uh, we'll get into some, some major things going on in the AFL as well. But let's start off with these matches. Raiders 30, Seagulls 16, a game that caught me flat-footed, a game that kept me from going, your Shed Adamas from going 4 for 4 for his picks this last week. Thank you, Tom Travojevic. Thank you, DCE. Because we know if those guys were in there, we might have a different outcome. But they weren't, because we love Origin. But instead, I lose that game. Rabbitohs 46, Cowboys 18, Roosters 22, Bulldogs 16. Maybe the best showing we've seen from the Dogs for a while. Uh, too bad they couldn't catch Sammy Walker. Uh, we'll go into that. And then the last match in the shortened, abbreviated round. Sharks 20, Warriors 12. Uh, the... Sean Johnson to Warriors match, or whatever you can say you want to call it, that transpired. But the Sharkies coming out on top to continue their push for a finals berth. Now, going into and, and breaking down some of the things from that round, the first thing that really caught me off was a big question. Is the Green Machine back on track? And I think that's something we have to ask ourselves. Because as much as we've been just putting the freaking harpoon into them like a, like a miniature whale over the last three to four rounds, Ricky's boys are still in the hunt. And they're trying to come in hot late to make that finals push like a lot of teams are. The difference is, even after their horrible start, the Raiders are only two points out of eighth. That's, fat. That's crazy to think about. There are some teams we've been just talking bad about for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. 
that you would think that you know they they're 20 points out of uh, you know that they're if it's if you're talking baseball these guys are 15 games out of first place right or out of a playoff position they're two points out shedheads they're right there now the good thing or the bad thing it depends how you want to see this for the green machine is let me see if i can if i got this right there's seven of their last eight games involves teams that are in the top eight or tied for the top eight. So you probably could say that they have the toughest run home of all the teams that are trying to make the eight in the competition. But really, if they can get through that gauntlet, and let's say they go for, let's say that they even go five for eight in that in that March home. You really have to feel confident that the Raiders could find themselves in the top eight. And, and and we have to be honest also when we say that they have not even come close to playing some of their best football, too. Especially for the team that they have. Especially for the team with the talent they have. So, you know, if you're a Raiders fan, and I know Canberra Mill, come on. But you got to still have hope. You still have to have belief. And why wouldn't you? I'm saying Ricky's had those guys playing at a high level for, for the last few years. And I think most of us are more shocked at where they're at on the table right now than anything else. So why couldn't they go on a run? And yeah, Trevojevic and, and, and DCE were not in the manly lineup, but they still, you know, they could still still saying that they're missing Chanticle Clockstarred. Clockstarred. Let's see if I can say that right. Um, you know, they they lost. You know, Sam Williams is gone. Uh, George, excuse me, George Williams is gone. You know, uh, you know that's that's still some major players missing for them as well, and they're not coming back post Origin. So that's going to be fascinating to see what Ricky can get out of the Green Machine coming home. But the good thing, if you're a, a Raiders fan, is that you control your destiny big time. More than a lot of teams, but it's going to take a lot. And, and the other thing you have to, and we know this about the game of rugby league, is what type of toll playing that many good teams week on and week in and week out are going to have on the Green Machine side. And what type of damage do they come out of this last eight weeks? Even if they make it into the final, what do they have left? So there's a lot of questions that are still going to have to be ironed out and figured out. But again, it's going to be a, a really fascinating last eight matches or, or eight rounds of the competition for the Raiders, which I'm very eager to watch. Now, talking about another team that's definitely not had uh, a, a, a good season, I guess we can say they've had a pretty bad season. And they've had a, a pretty bad few seasons, and that's the Canterbury Bulldogs. And even with their loss uh, that they had against the, the Chooks this weekend— I think, and I'm going to cross my fingers because I know the the, the passion that come out of, of the Canterbury camp and the fan base, um, but Bulldogs fans, you guys might have found your halves pairings for the rest of the week, for the rest of the season. And, and yes, you, you kind of find it, that's kind of strange that you say you find those type of things out of a loss, but a guy that I've been a, a fan of a guy that I thought was going to do some pretty incredible things with his career. Lachlan Lewis reappeared 
against the Roosters and had two tries and really showed his ability to be an offensive attacking player as well as, as the thing that he's known for, his defensive prowess. And, you know, the thing about him that might have got him in trouble, Lockie Lewis, is that he has no fear. He'll try to put a tackle on anybody. And I just hope that, I just hope his head is right. I just hope that he's healed up and that he's able to play football the way that I think that he can. Because I think the game can slow down for him a little bit. You know, he is a younger player, and we know the game can move fast. And not everything clicks in early on like a Reese Walsh or a Nathan Cleary for some of these guys. Sometimes it takes them a little bit longer to get it infused and get it going. But they looked good. They looked really good. And they pushed the Chooks. The Chooks were in trouble. They really had to dial it in. And, and, and then the game ending in the strange way with Sam Walker taking off on a stroll the opposite direction and running towards his own try line uh, to kill out the clock. Uh, that was something you don't see every day. But I'm not going to lambast the kid because what's the one thing that you're trying to do? Hollywood Walker's proven time and time again that he's a big game player. And at that time, he just thought that it would be smart. And something something tells me he's not the only guy that had that idea because I don't see him just grabbing the ball and running backwards uh, for, for 25 seconds or whatever time it was. Uh, now, when they showed the box, Robbo was not too enthused, it didn't look like. Uh, Trent Robinson did not seem the most happy of coaches to watch his, his, uh, his halfback run the other direction. But he got the victory. And that's the one thing. He never badmouthed them in the press. Um, he just stayed positive. They got the victory. And that is something that is going to you know, matter the most, I think. I don't think we'll be talking about this. Um, come, you know, seven weeks from now when we're about ready to punch into the finals and especially if the Chooks are in the top four. So um, kind of a strange ending, but definitely some things came out of it and a lot of positives for the Bulldogs. Now the problem is they're going to have to turn right back around and play another tough match this week. But I, I, I was excited to see Lachlan Lewis get some joy it's been a bad run for him for, for, for him lately. So hats off to him. And, and hopefully this is just the beginning of, 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 of the Canterbury Bulldogs kind of piecing some things together and finishing the season strong. Now the Sharks held a 20-6 lead at halftime over the Warriors. And without having to score another point in the second half, uh, they held on to beat the Warriors 20-12. But I think the thing that came out of this match was Tracy and Trindle. And is this was this kind of a preview about the possible halves combination in the future for the Sharks? There's so much stuff that's up in the air uh, for the Sharks coming next season. Like, you know, we already know that Sean Johnson is going back to the Warriors. Uh, we know that uh, Nico Hines is coming back up. We don't know anything about Matt Moylan. Um, you know, Dugan is probably on the outs with the club. Aaron Woods is outs with the club. But, but, but the halves is what we're really trying to find out. What's going to go on with the halves pairing, the combination um, down in the Shire? So that's fascinating. I, I'm really, I'm really hoping that we get to see more of these two guys playing together. 
Uh, I know we're not going to see it for the rest of the season as long as Sean Johnson stays healthy. But I think those two really those two really play well off of each other. And I, I, I would love to see um, that they're given that shot to try to get a chance to win uh, those two key, that six and that seven jersey for next season. But uh, again, congratulations to the Sharks. Uh, they've now won, that, uh, what was it, five out of six matches now? So they've really turned their season around and they are going in the right direction. Now, like I said, abbreviated season, abbreviated schedule for the week. So let's get into why we have that, and that is Origin 3. The series came to an end, and and, and I think the thing that really kind of caught me was, wow, the Maroons really played with a lot of passion. Now, some people would say, well, they better have. They had three games in Queensland, and that's true. That's true. But they found a way to win Origin 3, 20-18. Now, one of the things I really will pose to you, Shedheads, is with Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai at 6-7, do you really think that those two aren't worth at least two points in their play? And that's why, even though they had a really good match, a really good game, defensively, they looked like they had some snap offensively, blah, 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 blah. I would still be worried if I was a Maroons fan. Yeah, you got a little time to celebrate and try to not remember that you lost two of the three games and lost the series. But you only won by two points over a Blues team that didn't even have their starting two halves playing in the competition so there's still a lot of reason to be concerned to be a you know a Queensland Maroon right now going forward now does that victory help Paul Green keep the job for next season you know because one thing they will always tell you a Maroons fan and Maroons players will say we don't turn on each other and we don't quit on one another so with him getting that victory you know, does he get at least one more season to try to prove that he can go forward as the coach for the Maroons? And we'll have to find that out. But I will tell you, from the jump, the inclusion of Kalen Ponga into the Maroons' side, it just added a real strike to the Maroons. And and you just kind of wonder, watching what, what Kalen Ponga's energy and his exuberance brought inside the sheds and on the pitch, on the field, you kind of wonder... If he played all three games, you know, what type of difference would Kalen Ponga have made for that series? Because he was everywhere. He was everywhere. Some people would say that he he made a, a diving out defensive stop by knocking a ball down that could have cost him the match. Now, he was also offsides. Now, all my, all my fans, all you shedheads that are Maroons, remember, he was offsides on that play, too. So there was some some questionable officiating in the match, in the game. God bless you. Um, but there was some questionable officiating. I, you know, I don't, you know, a lot of people will say that, but I don't think any of us are also saying that that cost the Blues the match. No, not saying that. But what I will say is a couple calls here or there might have changed the flow of the match. That is for sure. But it was it was really good to see Kalen Ponga. And a lot of people think 
that might have been the moment that we saw Kalen Ponga go from just this kind of, you know, not a big deal, hey, almost a surfer, almost a surfer bra. Like he's just he just goes along with it, and hey, man, living life is just beautiful. To a guy that really gets it now, a guy that really saw himself in that position, in that place, and was like, wow, I I am pretty damn dynamic. I my team, I did feel them feeding off of my energy. And and what does that mean going forward? You know, DCE is not going to be the captain for another, you know, he may be for the next couple seasons, but I don't see DC being the captain for the Maroons for another five years. I'm saying the, the guy's 30, you know, in his early 30s already, which I can't believe DC is in his 30s, but I guess that means all of us age. But uh, going forward, Kalen Ponga is going to be the face of the Maroons club. And he deserves to be with that type of play. He deserves to be. Ben Hunt. There's the thing. You know, I've watched Benny Hunt for a while. And, and I felt horrible at times for Ben Hunt. I, I've always thought that when he was back at the Broncos that that he just was never given the fair shake to, to, to be the player that I thought he could be. And then in the grand final, uh, when he dropped the kickoff, yeah, you had to feel sorry for him. He's just, to this day, I know he's let that go. But it's still, in rugby league lore and history, NRL history, it's still one of those moments everyone will remember. But this year, he was given the captaincy for the Dragons. And a lot of people, that caught them off guard. And Ben Hunt played his best game in Maroon's jersey to date period. He scored two tries. And the thing that I think that you you saw with Ben Hunt that showed that he's taken a step as an all-around player wasn't game three. It was the end of game two after the shellacking that his team took at, his, at their spiritual ground, Suncorp Stadium. He wasn't yelling at people in the huddle. He was just saying that we can never allow such a thing happen again at this place this place that means so much to us Suncorp Stadium we cannot get bageled we cannot play this badly he was embarrassed but he was able to convey that to his teammates and tell them to look inside themselves look inward about what they will have to do going forward to make sure this doesn't happen again he was coaching them up and in a tight moment like that in a moment that that than anybody that knows anything about sport and the game and the greatest of levels. You either want to go into a shell and say, get me the hell out of here, or a lot of guys start doing yelling. They start yelling at anybody. They start blaming everybody. And that's not what Ben Hunt was doing at all. And I really think that that moment helped them stay focused and go into game three to play the game that they did. And then, you know, but him scoring two tries as well and, and being in the defensive line when need be and making big, crucial tackles. Um, I was so happy for Ben Hunt. I really, I really, really was. Uh, I don't know how much damage he did to his body and how much that might cost him maybe even possibly playing this weekend for the Dragons. But he brought a lot of honor upon himself in that jersey, which I know means a lot to him. So hats off to Ben Hunt and his play in origin three now 
to me, the biggest moment of question for the Blues was in the halves picking, the halves pairing that 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 Freddie put together, and they were okay. They were okay. Mitchell Moses, Jack Whiten. You know, a lot of people will say Origins are running game, running game, running game. Yeah, okay, and that's why they say Jack Whiten is such a perfect. 5'8", or you've got to always have him in your side because Jack Whiten loves to run, and he can run. Um, Jack had one try, and his defense was solid as usual. I'm saying Jack Jack Whiten's a big, strong bloke. He's a big, strong dude, and he's going to put a hit on you every now and then, but one thing for sure, it may not be a crushing tackle, but you're, getting, you're coming down. You're going down for sure. He's going to bring you down. But the thing that let me down was two things, and that was the kicking game. I can't say has ever been Jack White in strength, but that's why you have Mitchell Moses, right? And yes, Mitchell Moses had some big, some big towering kicks. But the thing was that Mitchell Moses didn't take over the game with his kicking attack. He didn't, you know, roll some in to get, uh, you know. Another another set, but the thing that I, I I think if you watch Mitchell Moses play, when Mitchell Moses is most comfortable, is when he has no fear to take the line on, right? He's always looking and he's surveying the situation, wondering what type of kick he's going to put in, running, and and then he sees the breakdown that you're not backing your defensive line the right way, or that you have a gaping hole there, and he takes off and he runs. And for Mitchell Moses not to have any run attempts, having no meters run in that game, to me has to be considered a problem. Because I think he does create from movement. And the biggest play Mitchell Moses probably had was getting his head taken off in a, in a, a late high tackle. That set up the, the chance for Latrell to kick the 50-plus uh, you know, field goal to try to tie the match late. But I was very disappointed because I really wanted to see Mitchell Moses try to take on the line at least a couple times just to make them honest, to maybe open up his passing lanes. And he didn't do it. And and so him not doing that and me still telling you after I said that that I'm a big, 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 big Mitchell Moses fan. You know, I told you and you all know this from previous podcasts he is Dom Gonzalez's halfback. All right? All right, I'll have to say it. He was. He is. And I know Dom loves him, but he's not my halfback, right? But I, I love him as a player. I love his passion. I love the way that he wears his emotion on his sleeve. Uh, I, I just think that if I, if I was a, a, a member of the Blue and Gold Army, I'd be so happy with him and Gutho and Dylan Brown and all those guys that they have. I would be so over the moon about that team. They've got a swagger about them. They're fun, blah, blah, blah. But my thing is pairings. And I think if you watch how Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai have played together in the halves, how their energy, them knowing where the other one's going to be without even having to look over is why I would have leaned towards Adam Reynolds and Dylan Walker being my halves. Let alone, they already are used to playing week in and week out with Latrell Mitchell. So, 
I know hindsight is twenty twenty. Blah 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 blah. Okay, okay, whatever. But I'm just saying, Origin is is showing us how important. You know, you just don't have those gigantic guys now that come running through the line and take people's heads off. You don't have that in Origin anymore. You don't. It's not part of the game. The game is too fast. So you don't have to worry about Adam Reynolds taking, you know, you know, copping tons of hard hits or, you know, not saying that he won't get take, you know, put down when he needs to. But you don't have to worry about his little lack of size for him to be competitive in. And so I just I just think that that that, that was an opportunity missed. I know that if you watch the post game festivities, there was a sense of yeah, you know, even when Teddy lifted the shield, you know, it was kind of like, okay, you know, here we are. And that should have been a lot more energy there. That should have been a lot more happiness there. Yes, they didn't win game three, but they easily won game one and two. They embarrassed Queensland in game one and two. But that is why winning game three is so important. And they didn't. But they still won the series. So, you know, people are still going to be drinking their twoies extra dry. It's still going to happen. It's still going to happen. Turbo, Tom Dravojevic got the Wally Lewis medal. And that was really cool to see. Uh, beat up, face beat up. You know, he still walked up there and got it given to him. But uh, I, I would agree. I would agree that, that he was probably the player of the competition. I don't think Latrell was too far behind him, Latrell Mitchell, but it was good to see Tom get rewarded because he has had a tough season in regular competition, maybe not or state of origin, but it was good to see him rewarded there. So congrats to the Blues on winning the series, bringing it home. Uh, a lot of people think that would be three in a row if it wasn't for Boyd Cordner and uh, Tedesco going down last season, but we can't go back there. The worst team in Queensland history won that. I'm just, hey, that was your words. That's not mine, shitheads. That was your words. So um, congrats to the Blues. I'm very excited to see Origin for next season. Uh, I know there's already complaints and rumblings that, you know, we need to have it at the end of the season again. I don't know. I do know that it does hurt clubs with Origin being in the middle of the year. But do I think they move it? I, I don't know. I think it's all about the money, personally. I think it's all about the money. So let's go to the 40-20, and, you know, we have to just be honest when we go here. Um, another massive outbreak of COVID in Sydney has kind of dropped a lot of things on their head, meaning that 12 of the clubs have now jettisoned and left Sydney and are now up on the Gold Coast. And they're going to try to keep this competition going. I, I think the, the competition is good hands in this area by Peter Volandis. Uh, he's proven with a, you know um, Project Apollo last year that he's always he's always ready and trying to be that two-step ahead you know chess player to make sure that his moves are in place, right? Uh, it looks like the families are going to be able to go up there and join the players. They were supposed to leave on Saturday. That has now been jettisoned, so we're not really 100% sure. And as, as I record this podcast right now, nothing has been laid out for sure of what they're going to do. But right now, 
they are not leaving on Saturday, the families to go back up there to be with their their spouses, boyfriends, whatever. Uh, so that is unsettling, but we're still getting our footy. And there's even there's even some rumblings and talks that we could in a couple of rounds, because we don't know how long the boys are going to be up there. We don't know how long the competition will be up in uh, in the Gold Coast, uh, in Queensland. But there's even talk that we might have another um, magic-type round where all the teams play, uh, you know, in, the, in one of the stadiums all weekend long. Don't know if that's going to happen. But the big thing is, with Queensland not shut down, even though they're saying that this could cost the NRL 10 to $15 million a month with that, with all the teams and players being relocated, if they stayed in Sydney, there's one major thing they would not be able to do, and that is to get revenue from ticket sales. So I think they're going to be doing anything in their power to try to push to get the, 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 the turnstiles moving and clicking over to get butts in seats to actually make money. And I don't know how that's going to work, but... One thing about it, Peter Volandis has no problem making money. So they will get something figured out. But COVID again, here it is, right back in our faces. And and Sydney is having to deal with it. And the NRL has put their best foot forward and, and got their teams out and got them to Queensland. Now, I I have an update. Matt Dufty has finished running home from Paul Green's house. So good there. Good job there, Matt. Good job there. Good job there. And he has run right into a one-year contract starting in 2022 to play for the Canterbury Bulldogs. Okay. That could add some strike to Canterbury. If the Fox really does show up there next year, uh, if, Matt, if Burton does show up there next year, we might have, you know, we might start seeing a little bit of a sunrise and sunset. A little bit of a sun in the future, just a little bit up. It's just over there a little bit more, but you're cutting. You're getting closer, Bulldogs fans, and that's what we want, and that's what you guys want. So Matt Dufty, I think can can add a little bit of jump for you guys. Definitely some attack for you, and and I think that's what you know Barrett's trying to get. He's trying to get a team that's a little bit dangerous that definitely has the strike. So Matt Dufty, one year deal starting in 2022 for the Canterbury Bulldogs. Now, that's the positive. Bad news, Joseph Suwali, the 17-year-old wunderkind, the big guy for the Sydney Roosters, season is over. They get all the exemptions so he can play this year and, and play younger than he should be, and his season is over due to ankle surgery and ankle injury. So, sorry to hear that. Joseph, I hope you heal up and get back quickly. Uh, you were supposed to be a strike player, and you could see some. You saw some potential there uh, when he got to play some of the games for the Chooks. He's definitely a big body, and I think he can do some damage. But uh, but heal up, Joseph, and I hope your surgery goes well. Now, on jettisoned and players on the outs, players on the ends, blah 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 blah. Let's talk about some good news, and that is, ex Cronulla coach John Morris has signed a deal to be the assistant coach to Jason Demetrio at South City next season after Wayne Bennett leaves. I think that's a brilliant move by South Sydney. I know South Sydney is it's still kind of in that question phase of, you know, if, if we let, you know, Wayne leave, how are we really going to be? 
Wayne's gone. He's going back to Queensland. But I think that is a perfect coach to bring alongside the new coaching staff at South Sydney because, you know, he is, you know, John Morris, I think, got a real raw end of the deal uh, with the Cronulla Sharks. And I think he's going to add a lot to the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Now, that is 40-20. Just like Origin uh, earlier in the season, or a few weeks ago, I shouldn't say earlier in the season, right? A few weeks ago, uh, not tons of stories coming out of Origin. Um, you can just say the biggest story easily is COVID. And, you know, state of Origin on the wind down and finished. But let's go into round 18. And some uniqueness. Uh, we're playing in three different stadiums. So, Friday night, this ma- this first match is on television for sure. Eels at the Titans. These Both of these matches are going to be at CBUS. It's a doubleheader. So we've got Eels at Titans, the first game, and then Dragons and Sea Eagles for the second game. Saturday. Let's not go to Saturday yet. Let's go over the picks on Friday. We're going to go the Eels... And the Desi boys. Desi's back, back again. That's right. That's all you get. You only get one bar this week. But I've got the Sea Eagles rebounding, even though I know um, for all of you, of all my gambling brethren, that Turbo is not playing. Tom Travojevich is not playing, but DCE should be in the lineup. Saturday, four matches. First off, Roosters at Cowboys. This one is going to be up in Townsville, unlike all the other ones since Townsville is in Queensland. But Roosters at Cowboys, I've got the Roosters on that one. Then we have the Sharks at the Raiders at Seabus, and the Knights and the Storm both at Seabus. And that's going to be a back-to-back there. I'm going to take the Sharks, and I'm going to take the Knights with a big upset. But... If you see Kalen Ponga playing the way Kalen Ponga's playing and Mitchell Pierce and Jake Clifford playing the way they've been playing, I think we've got an upset here because I think the Knights know a victory over the Storm makes them a viable, real top eight team. And that's what we've been looking for for a while for these guys. A while. But I, again, like I said, I'm taking the Knights. Then to finish it out, Panthers at the Warriors at Suncorp. Well, I'm sorry. I'm taking the Panthers. I told you guys what to do to me if I tried to, how should I say, move on from that. And that is not picking the Panthers. So we're taking the Panthers again over the Warriors at Suncorp. Sunday, we've got the Tigers at the Broncos. And that one is at Suncorp. I've got the Broncos. I got Kebby's boys winning back-to-back matches. And the Tigers going to Tiger, unfortunately, right now. And then the match ended up, those Bulldogs that I say that looked like they were showing some promise against the Rabbitohs. And this one is at Seabus Super Stadium. And I am taking the Rabbitohs to beat the Bulldogs, but just not beat them as badly as they had earlier. So let's go over these picks again. I have the Eels over the Titans, the Sea Eagles over the Dragons, Roosters over the Cowboys, Sharks over the Raiders, Knights over the Storm, Panthers over the Warriors, and 
Rabbitohs over the Bulldogs, and finally the Bronx over the Tigers. So that that shores up, puts a bow on, makes it tight, uh, pulls it tight. All right, that one's done. We're going on to the AFL. Let's go on to the other footy code. Port Adelaide. That's where we'll start. That was my match of last round, Port Adelaide and the D's. And Port Adelaide, again, failed to beat a top four side. Falling to the D's, 86-55. Horrible outcome. I know Ken Hinckley is trying to get this side over over that speed bump to stay over there. Just, Just get it over. Get it over. But the loss hurts even more because... You heard me say last week that the, that the power faithful was very, very excited that Zach Butters was coming back into the side and reco- from his from his ankle injury that had healed up. And they were very excited to see what he added back to the power. Problem for that with this situation is Zach Butters went down again, injuring his knee. And that was gut-wrenching. If you're a power fan, seeing Zach Butters go down again, uh, even though, yes, he's a younger guy, but you just don't want to start that injury bug coming. And now that's two major injuries for Zach Butters. Sounds like he's going to be out at least a month, and that could be huge. That could be huge in their placement of where the Port Adelaide could finish the season and possibly take them out of a top-four position. So big victory for the Ds, on the other hand. They're trying to get back to their winning ways and dominate. Uh, but with some some late-breaking news, because it just finished up not too, too long ago, a few hours ago, okay, 10 hours or so, uh, Geelong dismantled Fremantle, which now, because of, of percentages, point percentages, Geelong is top of the table right now. So we've got a lot of fluidity. We've got a lot of movement. We've got a lot of teams that, are trying to jockey for positions and places right now, and we know how the game is. Everyone wants to be in the top four. But the power, again, cost themselves a chance to actually move up the ladder, but a big victory for the Ds. Now, just like we were talking about with NRL, COVID has also hit the AFL in Victoria, and now teams are leaving Victoria and heading towards Brisbane. These teams are becoming like gypsies because... We had the two teams from from Sydney that had moved down to Melbourne, where we got to see the you know the South South Melbourne Swans and 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 how they were treated at Geelong Stadium and the jerseys and all that stuff. But a lot of teams have moved out, including the big match that's coming on Friday night, which is Brisbane and Richmond. That was supposed to take place at Marvel Stadium. Some people call it Marvel, but Marvel Stadium. It's Marvel. Uh, and that has been moved to Metricon Stadium in Gold Coast. So, who knows? I, I will tell you right now, we are trending at having possibly another grand final up in Brisbane. Now, not all the teams have moved up there yet, but, but a few of them have. The Roos have now gone. The Bulldogs, the Western Bulldogs have now gone. So, that's going to be really, 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 really fun to watch of what's going to happen here. But just think about this. We have now both codes. The NRL and the AFL are all 
on the on the coast right now. They are all up there. And we we thought there was a battle last year about grand finals and times and who's watching what. Well, now they are on each other's their neighbors. Hello, neighbor. They're neighbors. And we'll see how that goes over. We'll really have to see how that goes over. Now, it's been a couple exciting weeks for 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 Richmond's Jack Rewald. Or as I always say at my household, it's Jack. Because last week, Jack kicked his 700th goal against Collingwood in a losing effort. None of it was because of Jack, but 700 goals. Puts him in the top four for goal kickers at Richmond, which is really, really cool for him. And now this week, which looked like it was going to be in Melbourne, which was making him excited, it's his 300th game. So who would have thought in two back-to-back weeks that Jack would really, how should I say, knock down the doors to get himself into royalty at Richmond? But uh, congratulations. I am so excited. I'm hoping this game is going to be on. Right now it looks like it's not going to be. But I'm wondering if there's going to be some changing on the TV coverage because of the moves of these players. And if that... I don't know if that's going to help us possibly see Richmond uh, play Brisbane, but um, that is, all right, I'll say it. I'm going to give up the ghost. That is my match of the round for this round. Brisbane at Richmond. We've got four against 12, and it's a huge match for both clubs because Brisbane wants to stay in the top four, and the Tigers fighting through injuries are trying to get into the top eight because they're sitting in 12th right now. And I know it's hard to believe. You know, I told you over and over and over again that I said that Richmond's going to make that late season push and they were going to get into the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. They got to win now. They thought they were going to at least be able to kind of wind it up a little bit, beat Collingwood last week, roll into this match against Brisbane and give it their all. But they lost to Collingwood. And now that's a big, big match they've got to win. Now, there's some major inclusions uh, for Richmond. Toby named Curvis is back. And the blooding of a debutante, Matt Parker, who looks a lot like Dusty Martin, but Matt Parker is going to be in the side to take on the Brisbane Lions. So that's going to be a really fun match. And I, and I think it's a match that's going gonna, it's gonna to have that feeling of a playoff match because of the desperation that the clubs are going to show. And to me, that equals great football. So, match of the round, number four, Brisbane, against number 12, Richmond, at Metricon Stadium. Now, we go into the guns. And it's tough always for me to kind of differentiate between club footy, state of origin footy. But my number one gun, I know it's hard to believe, Ben Hunt. Two tries, 54 running meters, Two line breaks, one line break assist, three tackle breaks, 41 41 tackles, and 110 kicking meters. Sound game. A sound, sound game for Ben Hunt. And one that will go down in his mind is one of the best games he's ever played. Uh, Not just in origin, but period. So that's our number one gun. Number two, Alex Johnson, South Sydney Rabbitohs. Three tries, 156 running meters, three line breaks, one 
try assist, four tackle breaks, one tackle made. Pretty solid again for Alex Johnson, but he just keeps putting up and racking up numbers. He just racks them up. Uh, he is really becoming one to watch, and he's becoming one of the most dangerous players on that South Sydney team. So Alex Johnson's my number two gun. And finally, number three, and this was tough, but I went with him because his numbers aren't over the top incredible. But if you ask every player that played for Queensland, they will say that Kalen Ponga was that it factor. He was that it factor at camp. He was that it factor on the field. But Kalen Ponga, 181 running meters, one line break, three tackle breaks, and four tackles made. And that is our breakdown of the codes, NRL, AFL, the games. So let's go a little bit outside the bubble. And, well, we'll start with that snapping sound you heard. I really can't make it. I really don't have anything here unless I break something. But you might still remember that, and that's the break of Conor McGregor's leg. His shin, ankle, whatever you want to say. He's coming out today saying that Dana and the UFC knew that that he had fractures in that in that lower leg, whatever we'll just say lower leg, uh, before the fight, but they still let the fight go on. And I love how he was doing a, a, a Instagram live post as he was driving in his motorized wheelchair. <laughs> it was awesome. But he, you know, the notorious one, well manicured beard, big sunglasses on, and rolling to the oldies. The only thing I couldn't see was if he had a flag on the back of that thing, but I loved it. And I would love to have heard the horn. But uh, I didn't get any of that. I tried. Connor didn't, in the notorious one, didn't give that to me. But he did say that he was injured going into the fight. Now, let's go over the fight really quick. I don't want to go into the details. and You all know what happened. His leg crumpled up, and I don't like to watch Gumby legs. But what I will tell you is that I do not respect when guys, women don't do this, but guys do this. They talk trash. And I love trash talking. Shedheads, I love trash talking. But I don't. you'll never hear me trash talk your girlfriend or your wife. Your ugly little kid. I mean, no, I mean, uh, your girlfriend and wife. Y- y- your kid's beautiful. Anyway, um, but you don't do that. You just don't. You're not playing against the wife. You're not playing against the girlfriend. Unless she's your ex-girlfriend or ex-wife. And even then, what? Really? So Connor saying the stuff that he said, and I'm not even going to say it on, on this podcast, just wasn't needed. And I think that Connor McGregor's got to that point where a lot of guys have that have never been held accountable for some of the things and actions they've done once they got big. And I think he might have cost himself some real fans this weekend for losing, but losing like that. Uh, especially in this country, because we've had to deal with the blowhards lately that uh, lose and don't want to admit it. So, uh, yeah. So, Conor McGregor, I do want you to heal up. But, you know, a lot of people are just putting you back in the ring. That was a major league injury that he had. So, we'll have to wait and see. I think he will be back, but we don't know. So the crack heard around the world. That's what we'll call that last one. Next, we go back to COVID, not overseas this time, but over here in America, because the kickoff to the second half of the Major League Baseball season was supposed to be started right now, 
between the Yankees and the Red Sox, and it's postponed. Say hello to COVID. Say hello to my little friend. COVID has ran rockshot through the dugout of the New York Yankees. Now, the set, the really kind of questionable thing about this is this isn't the first time the New York Yankees have had guys a, a mass breakout of COVID inside their 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 dugout, their locker room dugout, whatever you want to say. So I don't know what Brian Cashman's going to do, but something needs to be addressed with these guys. But address it or not address it, it uh, doesn't matter. There's not a game tonight. And a lot of people are now, and now they're starting to do some contract tracing to find out if there are maybe more players from the All-Star Weekend or All-Star Week uh, that just finished up that might have come in contact with some of these Yankee players. And who knows what this means and what this spells out. But again, baseball going to baseball, and we don't have a game tonight. Uh, then we'll go into the the, the the even series, the series I told you last week that wasn't going to be over, but the Bucks 109, Suns 102, excuse me, 103. What I was saying with the twos is we've got a 2-2 two, two series. We've got a two series. We've got an even series. Now we have a best out of three. And game one will be Saturday night in Phoenix. And I think it's the biggest game of the series. Because I think if Phoenix wins, they win in seven. Might even win in six. But for sure, if the Bucks find a way to win in Phoenix and take and win three games in a row and go up 3-2 in the series, I think they close out the Suns in game six. Huge, huge game. But I think it could be the most exciting game of the series because I think both teams will know they have to play their best basketball now or their season's probably done. So definitely check that out. Saturday night, uh, I don't know if it's on ABC or on ESPN. Probably ABC, I'm guessing. Um, but game five, I think, is going to be the, the... If you haven't watched one game in the, of the NBA playoffs uh, or NBA season... Watch this one because it's going to be dynamic. Now, I will tell you the good news that I have that I just received and got wind of is after the England loss to Italy in PKs in which uh, uh, Sancho, Rashford, and Saku missed their PKs, the ugly side of sport showed his head. And that's the sport that for whatever reason... Because a guy misses a kick, drops a ball, throws a ball to the wrong guy, that we've got to bring up his race, his background, or his religion to defame him, to bring him down. Uh, and I've always said, if you don't have enough in your life that you think that you can do the liberty of saying anything you want to to somebody, you're you're greatly mistaken. And if you think that that is okay. First off, the first thing you do, if you think that's okay, first thing, please, please listen to me now. If you think that's okay, please unsubscribe to Outside the Sheds and remove Shed Head away from your name because I want nothing to do with you. Okay? That's number one. Number two, I would go find a boat, 
put a hole in it and just start rowing to the middle of the ocean and just hope for the best. And we'll be along to find you later. That's number two. But since those two things probably aren't happening because the shedheads, you guys are all good people and that I don't want to ruin boats because boats didn't do anything wrong today. The other thing happened today. Those four people that sent horrible, racist, not needed messages through social media to those three players have been arrested in England. They have not revealed these knuckleheads' names. I think that's the first thing you do to people that want to use race or religion to defame or to make people feel bad. I think the moment that you get those people's names, it should be released to the general public. We'll see how many times people keep opening their mouths or thinking that they can be bigger than life with their being finger warriors or keyboard warriors, whatever you want to say. But that being said, good news. They caught these knuckleheads. And uh, let's get those names out there so we can all send them a, a rousing hello on their own platforms that they seem that they can send things out on. So, But with that fun news said and the great police of the UK and England coming through and arresting uh, dregs of humanity, uh, we're going to end this, this episode of Outside the Sheds. Now, stay safe, everybody. I know that we all want to get back to normal, but Shedheads, there is something called the Delta variant that's out there. So just stay safe and be smart. Just please be smart. And I know I'm asking a lot when I say that, but just try. Try to be smart. Because we want you to listen to this show week on, week in, week out. That's why I do this. I love talking. I love talking about this game, but I have to have people out there to talk to. Well, I really don't, but I like having people out there to talk to. Um, but that being said, you guys stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. And until next time, until next week, have fun with the games this weekend. I've given you some great picks. Make some money. Take the little lady out. Take the little man out, whatever, for a, a meal after you win six out of seven this week. But until next week, this is Corey Jackson. You've been listening outside the sheds. See ya! And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.